basically I take like a, a few deep breaths yeah. and just have that acceptance that, yeah, this could go wrong, but it could also go well. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of accept both scenarios and I have to accept that I could crash. Otherwise I'm not going to do the jump properly. Yeah. So I have to fully accept that all those visualizations of all the times it went wrong could actually happen, mm. but so could doing it and landing it perfectly. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Hello and welcome back, or if it's your first time today, welcome to What's Right Within. Really excited about today because when I was growing up in New Zealand, um, sport was everything. And when you're also, when your mindset is sport is everything and someone comes on the radar and is just like the pinnacle of what is possible in sport in your country, like you tend to stand up and take notice. And um, our guest today, Sarah Walker, is exactly that. She took the world by storm as a really young athlete in BMX. And what's amazing is that she's just continued to go from strength to strength over what has been a, a, a long career already. And she's still pretty young. So I'm really excited to learn from her and get to know um, just what it takes to become a world champion, become an Olympic Games silver medalist. And, you know, potentially uh, there's an Olympic gold in the future there somewhere. I would not count her out of that. And so really excited to get to know Sarah. Um, and she's also involved with the Olympic Committee and the Athlete Commission for that. So she gets sport, she gets the mm -hmm. journey, she gets the ups and downs. And I'm really excited to, to get to know a bit more about her and her story. So welcome, Sarah. Hey guys, how are you doing? Good, thank you. And um, thanks for coming on. And we're, as I said in the intro, I'm so interested to get to know um, about your journey. So I grew up in New Zealand and have followed your, your career a little bit, but for our listeners who maybe aren't in New Zealand or aren't um, familiar with BMX and, or if they are in New Zealand and have lived under a rock for a while, um, help us understand a little bit about what's your journey been in sport over the last um, decade and a bit? Um, well, I guess I'll go back to the start and I'll try to keep it quick. <laughs> but I started BMX because my younger brother did it and I hated watching. So I was like, I'm going to try and loved it. Uh, my brother didn't like that idea because it meant we had to share a bike for a little bit. But, um, for me, it was like, I, there was no way my little brother was going to be better than me. And so anything he could do, I was obviously going to try. <laughs> and for him, there was no way a girl was going to be better than him. So like right from the get go, we had like a real competitive, um, kind of cooperative, uh, partnership that we just evolved and helped each other get faster jump bigger jumps and it just 
progress and progress and then um yeah bmx was my favorite sport but i wanted to go to the olympics and bmx wasn't in there so i was trying all different other sports um bmx was my favorite hobby but um yeah i was trying to figure out how i was going to get there um so i kept trying all these different sports uh volleyball was my second favorite um but eventually i was at the world champs for bmx and i found out that it was going to be an olympic sport wow and it kind of just answered all the questions or the thoughts of like i've got to kind of make a decision fairly soon i think i was 15 or 16 so like i kind of felt like if i was going to go to the olympics i needed to kind of figure it out sooner rather than later mm. um but yeah it worked out perfectly and i was going to be the perfect age to be at the first olympics um and it just the stars aligned really <laughs> so, so what, what um, was that moment yeah. like no uh finding out that you know the sport that you were so passionate about and that you wanted to become an olympian and it was finally going to be added to the olympics like what what, what was that like for you um uh, it was unreal because like like i said so i was started bmx at 10 but I decided when I was eight that I wanted to be an Olympian. So like I, I'd been dreaming of like going to the Olympics for most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when it kind of the stars aligned, then BMX would become an Olympic, an Olympic sport. It was just, just, I think first surreal, um, but that overwhelming excitement and then the reality of like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like now we've got a this is actually happening okay now what um and then it's kind of figuring out what was next yep yeah and what i'm interested in is the eight-year-old eight-year-old moment um tell us about yeah. that like where did that's a pretty big um big statement you know to say like that's when i realized that that's what i wanted to do and you're literally shopping for a sport to do it in like i yeah. love that um, <laughs> <laughs> that conviction yeah. amazing. So, so yeah, tell us about that moment, eight years old. Yeah. I was watching um the Olympics as part of school projects, but um also my dad's a PE teacher. So I was gonna watch it anyway. <laughs> but um I just remember watching uh Daniel Loder. He won a gold medal for New Zealand in swimming. And I remember him being on the podium and receiving the gold medal and like the national anthem playing and just it was such a powerful moment like an inspiring moment to see like this kiwi on the world stage at the olympics and being able to have that moment with the whole world watching and i was just mm -hmm. like i want to do that too yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i, I just was so inspired yeah i love that that um that moment was so powerful and impacting for you and it just goes to show how how those moments can be so impacting to the next generation um and watching you know what that what you've just described was exactly how my olympic dream started as well watching somebody else do really well at the olympics and go you know then it just it it almost ignites a fire in you as a youngster and you go well you know this you start to believe what could be possible for you and yeah, um, yeah it's 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 so powerful yeah oh, and, man it's unreal and that's yeah that's cool so you go from obviously eight years old you kind of like right this is me i'm i'm going there and then um what was it about um 
BMX, do you think? Was it obviously your brother was into it, but was was that it, or is it what is it that, that you kind of yeah loved the, about it? Well, I guess even to this day is probably why the why I still ride. Mm. Um, the challenge of overcoming fear. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't say that I'm an adrenaline adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I'm fearless. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely have a fear, a fear and sometimes a lot of fear. Um, mm. But I just feel so empowered when I have that fear and then overcome it. Mm. Um, and usually it involves like doing a jump. So like to start with, as, as a 10 year old, the jumps were quite small, <laughs> mm. but they did get bigger and bigger. And like, you just weren't sure if you could do it or not, unless you went and tried. Yeah. Um, so the feeling of doing a jump for the first time that is like pushing your limits is just so enjoyable to have that kind of unknown and that fear and kind of process that and then go do it anyway and then succeed. Mm. Um, I just love that. And I also love the feeling of like, even on the easy jumps where I do them all the time and it's not really a a mental challenge, just the time in the air and feeling like you're flying. And Mm. um, it's just like, I just really enjoy just riding my bike and doing the skills on the BMX track that um, are unique to BMX. Amazing. Yeah. Do, does the pendulum swing in terms of your levels of fear? Like, cause I can imagine, I, I imagine doing BMX as a sport, it would almost be impossible to be fearless, but I'm, I'm also imagining there's, you know, you've probably fallen a couple of times and had accidents and injuries coming back from those. Is there, is there more fear? Is it, is it more of a challenge to overcome that? And if there is, how, how do you overcome that? Um, (laughs) this is probably where we could go really deep. Let's do it. um, Let's do it. So I guess there's so many different scenarios, but like I'll have fear from just being like, um, maybe a little bit of doubt through to like, I'll be in tears, Mm. um, just so afraid and then figuring out how to, of put those tears <laughs> aside and then just go and do it um yeah. and so what are you afraid the, of can i ask <laughs> what, what are you afraid yeah of? <laughs> obviously crashing so i've crashed um a few times but like uh some of my crashes have been like multiple bones at once <laughs> so I'm, i think i'm pretty sure i'm at like 18 bones that i've broken in my career (laughs) um like six of them were at once um but it was kind of the broken bones especially now like it doesn't really make me afraid because for me I know what a broken bone feels like and it's not too painful (laughs) I know that sounds weird (laughs) but um it's not the hard it's not the part I'm afraid of I'm not afraid of that that little bit of pain um but the part that I get is the hardest part of being injured is the progress back mm. to where you were before you got injured. Um, mm. The feeling, the challenge of like getting fast enough, yeah. <laughs> like um, the, the jumping. Yeah. There's a challenge there, but it's like you'd work so hard to get to a certain level or like just to keep pushing your boundaries mm. and then you get injured and it's like a, 
like for BMX, you can't ride unless your whole body's fine. And mm. there's no way to ride your bike with kind of a broken arm or a broken leg or <laughs> yeah. anything like that. So it's like your time off the bike and especially in like such a technical sport mm. makes a big difference. And so, yes, there's a bit of like bike feel and like challenge on getting the jumps. But for me, it's just like I work so hard to get to a certain speed and strength and all the physical side and having that in, uh, injury, it just pushes that all back. Mm. It's just a lot of time. I can handle it the first time and I've had it twice, I think, where I've been injured, kind of got pretty much back to where my best was. And just as I got there, I got injured again. Mm. So I had to go through that whole process again. Mm. <laughs> and as I get back to close to my best, that's when I'm the most afraid. Because, mm. yeah. There's so, so much to lose. Exactly. Like I've worked mm. so hard. Like if I got injured when I was when I was slow or like not yeah. as fast, then it's like, oh, well, I wasn't going that great yet anyway. Mm. Um, but when I get close to being my best and my fastest, usually that's when I've been injured. So mm. when I'm going really fast, I'm also really scared of getting injured because that's when I'm in my experience most likely to get injured. Mm. and I know how long it takes to get back to that level. Mm. Yeah, look, there's um, – I'm pleased you said we can go deep on this because I think <laughs> we, we're going to – there's so many angles, so many questions I have. <laughs> but the, I, I want to come back in a minute to, like, the, the acute experience of fear. But before we do that, I really um, am keen to understand, like, those – when you get – when you get to your best or close to your best and then suddenly you have another like a, a big setback and you just like that must be yep. you know such a, a kick in the gut so to speak you know when you feel like you're so close yeah, disheartening <laughs> yeah like yeah. I, I think anyone listening to this will will resonate with that type of feeling in terms of like something you've been working for you like can see it, it's just around the corner and then suddenly like there's mm. all this work ahead of you to get even back to the starting line. Like help us yeah. to understand like what you've learned about getting through those times and get getting your way back to the top. I think for me it was about knowing that I hadn't reached my potential. So mm. it was more of curiosity allowed me to kind of have the motivation to come back and keep pushing mm. again and again and again <laughs> yeah. um, because I had this self-belief that I could get faster and I hadn't really seen what I was truly capable of. Mm. So, yeah, I had got to be the fastest I'd ever been, but I knew I was still getting faster and I didn't get to see that yet. So I was like, well, I've had this kind of two steps back but we'll go and we'll get back to where we were and mm. then see if we can keep pushing even further. Mm. Um, so if just that feeling of knowing there was more there and mm. I hadn't reached that kind of peak. And I don't really believe that there is a peak or mm. there's a top. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's just that challenge of like just continually trying to be better Mm. Um, and even if it's small gains, um, that was really rewarding for me. But when you had those small gains at the lower end or 
straight after an injury, it doesn't feel as rewarding. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I, what I hear in that is like optimism and, um, and there's obviously, you know, a really clear purpose there mm. too, but, um, would you think of yourself as optimistic? Like in terms of, you know, D- definitely. Yeah. Like you're expecting, <laughs> I think I have to. well, that I, I don't, I'm not sure that we can really explore our potential without optimism because mm. it's the belief that something yeah. good can happen. Mm. And when, yeah. when things, when you're kind of back to square one and you're like trying to, you know, rally to, to get going again and do the rehab and wait it out and do all those things that just feel like, you know, that you're, you kind of completely rebuilding, like, that's where optimism bears its fruit, I think, in terms of like, hey, no, there's yeah. something good can happen. It's mm. like, um, yeah, it's, you said you kind of you kind of have to be optimistic in a way. Like what, have you always had? Yeah, that? so like if I, <laughs> I kind of have this saying, I guess, and I, like I probably had heard it somewhere, but for me it's like, well, like I have a choice. I can either laugh or cry, so I might as well laugh. Um, so when I'm like lying on the ground and I know for sure my arm's broken it's like (laughs) of course like part of me wants to just cry and just be like this is so like annoying and frustrating and all those and I accept those thoughts but it's like actually it it feels a lot better to just laugh at the situation and yeah it's shit but Mm. oh well like typical me breaking something (laughs) yeah um and just like kind of, I feel like laugh it almost brings me to acceptance quicker mm. so that I can kind of get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's um, so we're actually yeah. talking about that, <laughs> that exact thing this morning at training. And when you, when you keep it as light as you can, um, it, it just makes the experience a little bit better. It makes a, a poor experience yeah. a little bit better when you keep it light. And <laughs> try and joke yeah. about it a little. Um, even, you know, even if it is, I mean, you've got to, obviously you've got to accept the situation and accept it, you know, and acknowledge that it's not great and it's not ideal and it's not what you were hoping for. But um, yeah, just keeping things light and go, well, I've done this before, you know, and I'll, I'll get yeah. through this again. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. my body knows how to heal bones. I'm good at this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. What I love about that example of, you know, like when you've broken a bone is that this is the bit that I think people miss with optimism is that people think that optimism is like not a realistic view of the present. Mm. And, but, you know, in that case, it would be like, oh, no, my arm's not broken. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Optimism. Everything's fine. Optimism is like yeah. a realistic assessment of the present and the belief that the future can work out. You know, it's it's about how you view the future, yeah. not how you view the present. And so I think that combination of ex- like acceptance of things as they are and, you know, like using humor to kind of keep it in perspective and, and kind of keep moving forward. Um, but with that lens of like, okay, it can, this, this can work out like good things are around the corner. I think that it's like, yeah, it's such a great example to all of us about, um, how to go, how to practically work through a setback, you know? Yeah. I hope so. (laughs) When you, I'm curious to know about the physical rehab as well. Like when, when you get injured and obviously you, you mentioned before that you can't, you can't possibly ride a bike if any part of your body is injured. 
Um, what, yep. what do you do in terms of rehab and, and keeping you um, physically fit and in shape? And then also like, do you do any like mental, um, mental rehab or preparation or do you know do you watch other do you watch videos or youtubes of other um bmx or do you still go to training and you know watch your brother or like and that sort of thing um yeah um, pretty like, much all of the above i guess <laughs> so like a lot of my training um while i'm injured will be training anything that isn't injured <laughs> so <laughs> if i've broken an arm train the other arm train the legs train the core um do visualization watch some videos but it's not just like about, for me, visualization isn't just about seeing it. It's actually like feeling like you're riding the bike. Mm -hmm. um, so like I'll move my body as well as seeing myself ride. Or if I'm watching a video, like I'll be kind of pushing and pedaling in mm -hmm. my mind mm -hmm. with the with the race. And that, um, and that seems to help a lot when I get back on my bike after time off. Yeah. It feels a lot less like I've had time off the bike because I've been technically riding my bike every day. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, but, that's why I asked. But, I was, yeah. There's so much research around that, around the mirroring and, um, you know, when you, when you watch, I mean, for, like I'm a runner obviously, but, and when, when runners are injured and they still go to the track, even as hard as it is, um, they still go to the yeah. track and, and watch other runners run. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to come back, um, in, you know, when they finally get running again, cause they've, they've watched other people run and they've imagined themselves and visualized themselves running even, even though they can't at that point. Mm. Yeah. So like, I remember, so it was actually really interesting, a good, great experience, uh, experiment for lockdown because mm. lockdown, obviously like I didn't go into lockdown injured, but it was time off my bike as if I was injured yeah um and so it was kind of the first time in my career i'd had kind of that amount of time off the bmx track um without being injured so like the first day back after lockdown um i was actually quite nervous to go ride the bmx track because i thought it would be really similar to coming back from an injury so when i come back from from an injury there's like that level of being a little bit unbalanced on my bike. Like if I've broken an arm, it might be that I'm mm. not as strong on that arm yet. Like there's still that little bit of unevenness. So I don't ride my bike necessarily amazing to start with. Mm. Um, but that's because my body's not quite balanced. Yeah. But after lockdown, I was nervous because that was my only experience of that amount of time off the BMX track. And when I started riding, honestly, I rode, so surprisingly well yeah. <laughs> um but it was because i'd done all those like visual visualizations i'd watched videos i'd felt myself writing um so when i rode the first day back it felt like it had only been like two days since i rode my bike last mm. wow. <laughs> and it was unreal like i couldn't believe it that, and what a like and what a um what an example of what's possible when we we train our mind, you know, and um, I, I think what would be really helpful to understand is how you go about a visualization um, session. Is it sort of a like a formal, okay, I'm going to set aside this amount of time and, and do visualization in this way, or is it a little more informal? Like what have you, what have you found works for you in terms of visualization? I'd say very informal. Mm. Um, the cool thing like I'm not a massive fan of social media, but in this case, like 
in my social media feed, there'll be a lot of BMX riders posting them riding or racing. Yeah. And so each time I see a video <laughs> um, on my social media feed of someone riding a BMX bike at the track, I'll kind of visualize if it, if it was me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's like little and often, I guess, but yeah. not really a set, set aside time. Yeah. But in saying that when I was injured, I would set aside some time to specifically do a training session um, of my mind mm. uh, with specific video because I wasn't able to do a proper training session as well. Yeah. So right now I can scroll through social media. I'll do many visualizations, but I can also go ride my bike <laughs> Yeah. where when I couldn't, it's, I had to be a little bit more deliberate. Yeah. Yeah, that make that makes total sense. And are you visualizing if there was sort of a um a kind of waiting towards visualizing best case scenario versus um visualizing different scenarios, where would you sort of find that split is for you? Uh, training at home, uh probably pretty good case scenario best case scenario um i find that if i go to the bmx track and i'm afraid of something i'll use visualization again as a tool to help me overcome fear Mm -hmm. um but it depends how great the fear is so i remember um well there's been multiple times (laughs) but we're at the tokyo olympic track um last year at the test event and i was standing up on the top of the start hill and the second jump was just like really challenging for me mentally and I hadn't jumped it yet and I really knew that I could I'd seen other people do it I just couldn't get myself to do it (laughs) and I tried visualizing it um and honestly every time I visualized it I would see myself crash yeah and I've had that in the past and okay so try again and then visualize again and then Hopefully the idea is I end up seeing myself land it and then I repeat that until Mm. in my mind or in my heart, I feel like, yes, I can do this. Um, And that works pretty well most of the time. But in this scenario, I probably got to like 10 and I was just visualizing every way I could mess up and crash. And it was just not coming. Like the visualization of me jumping this jump, landing it and it going well, mm. just did not happen. My mind was not in that space. Yeah. <laughs> and in those moments that I've had that, I basically just accept that my mind does not have this, but I'm going to have to let my mind trust my body. Mm. And Ooh. basically I take like a, a few deep breaths Yeah. and just have that acceptance that, yeah, this could go wrong, but it could also go well. (laughs) So kind of accept both scenarios and I have to accept that I could crash. Otherwise I'm not going to do the jump properly. So I have to fully accept that all those visualizations of all the times it went wrong could actually happen, Mm. but so could doing it and landing it perfectly. And then I take, take, (laughs) and then I take those deep breaths yeah like there might be literally there might be tears on my cheeks um and i just calm down all right what are you gonna do it's right okay i've got to pedal down the hill as fast as i can i've got to push through the bottom i've got to take off the first jump 
land that and then I've got to get on the pedals, pedal as hard as I can and then set my body, push off the takeoff and then fly through the air and then I'm either going to make it or I'm not. Mm. <laughs> so take away all the visualization. It's just straight process. Yeah. Yeah. Trust my body. Just mm. get my body to the takeoff mm. and then hopefully <laughs> my body does the rest. And so that's what I do. I just clip into my pedals and I pedal as hard as I can and I do my process on each place and then I get to the jump that I haven't seen myself do in my head <laughs> yeah. and I just get there ready and then I just let my body take over and 99% of the time it works out perfectly fine Yeah. and then I roll off. I might break and stuff on the, on the corner <laughs> and yeah. sometimes I'll just, cry because mm. i've held that fear in mm. and it's just like this overwhelming relief yeah. that i'd visualize myself crashing all those times and mm. i didn't know if i could do it or not in my head and i i was just letting go of all this like mm. emotion it was just trusting my body and yeah. that relief that my body <laughs> stepped up yeah it's yeah. like yeah it's, it can be overwhelming and then once i've done it once it's kind of like I might it might not be enough to believe that I can do it again so I need to go do it again yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you, I've got about I've got about 17 questions me too so um but I, I feel like you pretty much summed up like the all the best bits of like positive psychology, psychology in that one yeah that one story like let yeah. it go of what your mind's saying and trusting your body yeah like how yeah. many times have I needed to hear that? Oh, like I think we're going to just play this back to ourselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just getting that down. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. the first of my seventeen questions is: um, <laughs> I think this example was oh such a like such a rich one in terms of um, the role of flow mm. and like a flow state in terms of us exploring our potential and um, because the way I like kind of like to think about it is that there's sort of um you know there's four stages of flow and so it works in a cycle so it's like there's a struggle there's the release and then there's the flow state and then there's a recovery from that and I kind of think um that's sort of what I think the research has pretty much sort of shown that it you know, flow is not something we're in all the time, but what's powerful about it is that it follows struggle and release. And I kind of had that vision of you, you know, um, waiting to kind of commit to, um, to the, you know, to go and take on that jump you weren't sure you could do. And there's like, that's the struggle. That's the struggle with like trying to get your mind to mm. kind of see it and trying to, trying to feel it and trying to get ready for it. And then, then there's that, um, once you commit and go it's not lost on me that you like went pedal as hard as you can it wasn't like a half commitment i yeah. kind of feel like that's probably yeah. really dangerous it's like i'm all in and yeah and that, that commitment i sounds like is part of the release that enables when you say trust my body i kind of feel like that's like i'm locking in and everything I'm, you're basically relying on getting into a flow state for it to work mm. that's sort of what yeah i was hearing but you're getting out of your way for that to be possible yeah um yeah. does yeah. that like fit at all with what you what's actually you know happening? yeah 
I guess so. Like I hadn't had flow state explained to me in that way before. Um, so like to me, flow state is when it's like just, I thought it would be more about it when it's just flowing naturally and you're not mm. really thinking about anything and it's not, mm. not what I pictured. Mm. But when you describe it that way, when it's just me letting go of like my brain mm. putting my brain on the side and just mm. going come on body yeah um and just letting go of any any thoughts and just letting the body take over then that's exactly what it is i guess i think even your reaction at the end is so indicative of a flow state too like when you 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 allow yourself <laughs> to finally feel and finally feel emotion yeah. and let it all out because I think when you go through that struggle at the beginning of, you know, before you go into a flow state and then you have to make that decision to, am I going to go or like, am I going to go? Yes, I am. I'm going to trust my body. And then you go immediately into process. It's almost like you go into a bit of a robotic state and you let go of emotion or, you know, you, you, you let go of that emotional side of what your brain's telling you and judgmental side. And you, you just go for it and focus on the process. And like you said, you took us through step by step in, you know, what you're exactly going to focus on and doing in that moment. Mm. And then at the end, when you finally stop, you go, Oh my gosh, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> now I've got to go do that again. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's to me, that's so indicative of a flow state. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's why it's such a powerful example too, because it's like your decision wasn't based on like what you thought or felt it mm. was like okay my mind's sort of not quite seeing it like there's fear present still but now's the time and so it's almost like you shifted your focus you made a commitment and just fully committed shifting your your attention purely to where it needed to go in the present moment mm. and yeah I, I think that's that's one of the reasons fear is um fear is such a trigger for flow because it you kind of get focus a little more easily with fear because it's like I really need to pay attention to like what's about yeah. to happen, right <laughs> um and so that the you know focusing deeply on what's required in the present moment after you've committed I think like um that applies applies to anything that we want to really get the best out of ourselves in I think it's like really being um being fully present and fully committed to what's in front of us and and trusting trusting ourselves to respond like you know um as it as it unfolds um yeah well well, all of that works for not like easier situations too yeah (laughs) like when you're not like crying because you think you might die (laughs) but um it's like for me to every time I perform, whether it's in training or in a competition, um, be it um, a local club race versus world championships or even the Olympics, if I focus as much as I can on that process, Mm. then it doesn't really matter what emotion I am feeling. So like I could have fear, but it could be anger. It could be um, nerves, excitements. It could be um, whatever's happening uh, in the background those emotions can be sitting there with you. Mm. Um, so for me, being able to have a really clear process mm. and really like bring my mind to just focus 100% on that process, mm. then it kind of, my mind doesn't have room yeah. or I don't give it room to 
to get distracted by the emotions that are happening in the background. So yeah. that's why it's like, I literally, it's like, okay, I've just got to pedal, 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 <laughs> and then jump and then land and then get my body set. And the more detail sometimes uh, is better because there's no like, okay, I just have to do this one thing mm. and then in 10 seconds, I got to do the next thing. And then in that 10 seconds, your mind drifts off. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the more I can fill that process of like step one, step two, step three, mm then it doesn't matter about the emotion. It's just purely on performance. And then if I do that process well, then I'll be more consistent as mm. well. Yeah. Oh, you, you, that's such a clear example of, you know, that, that applies to anything, right? Like, mm. um, and that's what's, that's what's so great about sport and, you know, speaking to people like you who, have, who are exploring the higher reaches of, of what you're capable of, you know, and you're, you're taking those risks and you're doing all the work to um, understand yourself and understand what it takes to, um, to make it, you know, to make it through that particular challenge. And um, because then we can, we can learn from that about how to navigate any challenging situation and, and how to direct our attention to where it needs to go regardless of how we're feeling or and and to really just focus in on what we can control in the process as opposed to letting the mind be hijacked by thoughts of what could go wrong or thoughts of, of things that really don't serve us in the moment. Um, totally. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I think like um, when it comes to fear for me, figuring out what it is, is important, but also um, I spent a lot of time and a lot of work getting rid of failure as a fear Mm. um, because that holds a lot of us back. It held me back for a while. Um, Just that fear of failing is, can be so so powerful and overwhelming that it can kind of dictate what you're doing and how you're reacting to things. So uh, for me, it was, uh, the fear of failure was not just like holding me back in terms of um, being faster it was actually holding me back of setting bigger goals even mm. because if I set <laughs> big goals and I didn't achieve them then I'm a failure um, mm. so for example my uh, at, at the first Olympics in Beijing 2008 um, that BMX was at my goal hadn't changed since I was eight I wanted to go to the Olympics and <laughs> I was achieving that goal but I didn't shift my goal once I qualified I just mm. kind of was like oh, I've achieved my goal yay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I finished fourth uh, by like a, like less than a width of a tire oh. and and I remember just being gutted because I knew I could have done better if I'd really believed in myself more mm. and accepted that I could have been accepted that I could have been better than I was or there was something holding me back. And so it was kind of, it was hard to deal with at the time, but it really made me really focus on what goal do I want to achieve? Mm. And, um, and that's when I went really deep into kind of goal setting in terms of not just setting a goal that kind of scares you and um, you're not sure if you can achieve or not. And that kind of that normal standard goal setting pitch, Mm. (laughs) but um adding adding in a couple layers so for me it was setting a goal so for me it was winning gold in london 
that was going to be my new goal and it felt so wrong to say because that's not ever something i've ever been taught is okay to say yeah (laughs) um because it's cocky or it's like it's got these negative like connotations to it in terms of if someone says oh yeah i'm the best then you kind of that fear of judgment comes in yeah um, what other people might think about you thinking that you're the best yeah. <laughs> um so to say i can strange. win gold in london <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say it's a strange cultural thing i think that we've grown up in in australia as yeah. well it's very it's a very similar um mm. cultural thinking that you know if someone has a goal like an outlandish goal then it's you know people kind of go oh it it doesn't look as humble (laughs) um whereas you would get away with it in the u.s and people are expecting you to tell you know to be really um open and honest about Mm. um your goals but yeah interesting yeah Yeah. how did you work through that how did you how did you shift um obviously you i'm keen to understand more about that goal setting process too um, but also, yeah, like, well, what shifted for you to be able to do that? So I got given homework from my sports psych, and mm. it was to um, say out loud to myself in the mirror, every morning and every night, I can win gold. Mm-hmm. And to start with, like, I, I hated it. It felt really uncomfortable. I felt stupid. Yeah. I laughed at myself. I was judging myself. But yeah. I was, like, super determined to just commit to the homework I was given. Mm. and probably first few weeks was just much of the same, just feeling like this is a waste of time, it feels dumb, whatever. And it probably took, I think it was about six to eight weeks, but every morning and every night I can win gold, I can win gold. And eventually, because my subconscious believes everything I say, yeah. <laughs> um, it was going oh yeah, like you can actually do this. And I genuinely felt that shift uh, in mindset of being like, yeah, it'd be cool and it is possible, but you know, it's BMX, anything can happen to, no, I can, I can do this. I can Mm. win a gold medal. Mm. And that self-belief from that allowed me to go like kind of that 1% more every day in training as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like, a massive piece of homework that like I am so grateful for. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that Um, that's such a, um, that fear of what other people might think about us and that kind of script of like, Oh, who am I to think that I can do that? Or, you know, mm. um, it's amazing how much that creeps in and, and adjusts what we actually do. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, and so I'm, I'm curious to know, you sort of started to touch on it there in terms of what changed for you when you're actually on your bike, when you came to believe that at a subconscious level, as well as, um, you know, the conscious thought of, well, I guess it could be possible. Mm. Yeah. So like I, I just rode my bike, like I was a gold medalist. Mm. Um, or instead of riding my bike, like I wanted to be one, you know, I, it was, it was subtle, Mm. but it was, it was this additional level of confidence and self-belief. Yeah. And I didn't feel when I got there that I was being cocky to think that it was like, actually, no, I like, I work really hard. Mm. I have the skills, I have the ability and I have the determination 
like I can actually make this happen yeah. and so that that self-belief was really so powerful and um I didn't beat myself up for believing in myself either yeah <laughs> so it was just like it was really genuine self-belief and yeah. I just um thrived on it I can see like that is it's just it looks like a postural change you know <laughs> like all yeah. of a sudden you're sitting up nice and tall on your bike and you know you're confident and um you're ready and you're putting in all the one percenters because you start to believe that you know it's possible for you yeah and yeah. I, I want to just sort of like take note of that because we i think this is such a good point for people listening to actually just reflect on themselves and in terms of like identity and it's like when i look in the mirror who how what's the commentary that's coming with that you know like is it how do i actually see myself and and i think it's so important to actually take stock and and be intentional about creating the like identity not just saying my past equals you know my current identity because if we don't if we don't actually do the type of thing that you explained then we will our current identity will just be you know the product of what's happened before and what we've believed about what's happened before and we're not actually tapping into what could be possible for us Mm. um so i think like that's such a great bit of homework you got given but the most (laughs) the most impressive thing is that you did it because um you know you touched on how uncomfortable it was to do and how like it just it can be really vulnerable to look at yourself and to actually um you know state something like that if it if yeah it and I, I think it helped being able to like being told that my subconscious was going to believe it every mm. time I said it yeah um so it was just a matter of like repeating it so like if I had not had that information I probably would have had a lot more doubt and mm. it might have taken longer or it might I might have given up and had to come back to it or mm. whatever but like just knowing that there was something happening in my brain every time I said it out loud was like, okay, it feels like internally, I feel like this is a waste of time, but like I've been Mm. told that even if I don't feel it to start with it, it's, it's working. (laughs) So just keep at it. (laughs) Like if I hadn't stuck with it, I probably, it, it sounds crazy, but like I've totally, I've been through it and I believe it completely. Mm. Hmm. yeah i um something sort of just dawned on me hearing you say that i'm like is that what you meant by trusting your body and the you know because the there's sort of those two levels of the mind right there's the the conscious mind and the subconscious mind pretty much is it like it's it's more in the body like we you know yeah um and i just wonder whether like you know what you when you doing the work that you've done there kind of getting your subconscious to be on the same page with what um, you know, consciously could, could, you know, happen. Um, I wonder just how related that is to being able to say, <laughs> Hey, I can't get my conscious mind to play ball here, but I'm going to trust my subconscious, my body to take over when it counts. Yeah. I, I, I guess hearing you say that, I think, um, like I quite often call my subconscious or the, I, I call it a dumb brain and my smart brain <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my dumb brain's the one that like wants to like, harness all of like the evolutionary parts Mm. of fear and um survival etc etc and i'm like 
And then there's like my conscious brain that can actually do something about it <laughs> and actually process those thoughts and, and, and have that kind of smart <laughs> conversation with the dumb brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, like it's sometimes I guess my, sp- my smart brain just doesn't win. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I have to just kind of go, uh, just ignore everything and, and, that's, I guess, when the dumb brain does help for sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally hear where you're coming from with that. And it's like, you know, it's trying to get um, congruence, you know, it's like what in psychology they talk about is like when, you know, you um, what you say and what you kind of believe kind of line up or, you know, what you say and what you do line up, like it's the congruence between, um, between those things. And I, I think that's, you know, when you're, when you're in flow, I'm pretty sure that's where, you know, everything is just like coming together in that moment, everything that you've worked on, everything that you've, um, that you've, you know, trained and become about like is, is kind of, um, able to be expressed and the, the conscious mind, like, although it is, you know, has, it's, it can be smart. Um, there's still like, it still needs to get out of the way for peak for, for yeah. performance, you know? So, um, yeah. And I think that sort of loops us back to um, to the role of optimism, you know, like saying like, hey, trusting that it can work out. I've done the work. Um, good things can happen. And mm. let's go and see what could what those could be, you mm. know. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think so the, so the next part to all of that, um, however, was like once you can say or once I could say I can win gold, I had to also get to the point where I could accept that it, I could fail. Mm. And that's where kind of the next lot of homework <laughs> came in. So like, I, I think growing up through high school and that you get taught about goal setting, but you don't get taught about like that real level of self-belief mm. and then the next level of accepting that you could fail. Mm. And then that's, that's okay. So that was a learning experience for me to try and get to that point. I could have that acceptance Mm. that failing would be kind of doesn't really matter because I believe in myself and that's Mm. kind of a win already. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I I was going to ask you, you sorry. Um, I was going to ask you there in terms of when you moved through, um, sort of changing your relationship to the fear of failure, did, did your kind of, definition of failure change like has your has the way you see or define failure changed throughout your career absolutely I love failing now I think it's like (laughs) I I program failing into my program um and make sure that I fail at least once a week um if not more um because I've associated failing with kind of pushing myself to be my best mm-hmm. and failing is proof that I'm trying my best. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so every time I'm failing, I'm like, yes, like that was my absolute best that I could mm-hmm. do because I couldn't actually do more. And failing is proof of that. It's the same with everything. Um, the more you practice it, the more you kind of, it becomes natural. So like to start with, we had to program intentionally failing into my program just to get used to failing because I still didn't like it. Mm. Um, so the more often I failed, it was like every time it just like kind of got me a little and I felt like 
all those feelings that might come with feeling like you're a failure or like you're screwed up or you're not good enough or whatever those negative thoughts are. Mm. And I just had to practice kind of letting it go. Mm. <laughs> but there was one training session that like, honestly, out of my entire career was like a pivotal moment in my training and my career that didn't just help me for BMX, but will help me for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I didn't realize at the time, like that this one session was going to be such a massive um, shift in my mindset. But the homework again, from my sports, like the homework was to turn up to a, tra a training session. I could pick any training session and that I would choose something that I would fail on, on purpose that would cause the people I'm with, to judge me <laughs> and then not say anything like I couldn't tell them what I was doing I just had to carry on with the session and finish the session and then still not tell them tell them or ever tell them yeah yes. you weren't allowed to make excuses and I, not, no excuses but I was like I was going to fail they were going to see me fail and they were going to ask me lots of questions but I couldn't have an excuse for that wow so I turn up to this um, track session. Um, we're at the BMX track. It's a perfect day, like not a cloud in the sky. The wind is like just a slight breeze, but it's perfectly in like a tailwind um, to get help you do like the first straight faster. Mm. And then the first straight, like the dirt is just like so solid and compact and it's running super fast. And it just, everything is like the perfect day to go to the BMX track yeah. <laughs> and I chose on this day to not jump the first jump which I could do quite easily and but it was still that little bit of a challenge so it wouldn't be extremely like they wouldn't get too suspect by me not doing it but it would still be kind of like you've done it heaps of times why <laughs> yeah. so I get to the beginning of the session I like felt really nervous because I knew it was going to be hard to not tell them or not want to tell them um but I start the session off and it was with my coach who had been part of the program for like 10 years so like I knew him very well he knew me very well we respect each other it was a great coach um and my training partner and she kind of was on the early stages of kind of an international career but I'd been kind of racing internationally a lot so we started the session and my teammate, she started jumping this first jump and I hadn't done it yet. <laughs> and I remember like the coach and kind of be like, all right, your turn. And I was like, yep. Okay. I go down the hill and I'd break and roll through the first jump. I oh. come back up and um, then my teammate would be like, oh yeah, your turn. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go through, break, roll through the first jump and then come back up. So like, start of the session they were like oh man it's like cool today it's perfect weather like it's so easy you've got it and then we kind of go through the session I haven't done it yet and then it was kind of like come on Sarah oh. <laughs> like you can do it today and like their tone changed and like the words they used were a little bit more like hurry up <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what are you doing and I'm just like oh like yeah I just want to tell you that I'm doing it on purpose, <laughs> but I knew I couldn't. And so I kept going. And then towards the end of the session, it turned into like, 
just you just got to do it um you've just got to you just got to pedal and commit to it and I'm like yep okay and I'm just like dying inside (laughs) um and I get to the end of the session and I haven't done it and I haven't said anything and then I get the whole like not in those words but like that I'm disappointed in you for not doing that (laughs) (laughs) kind of vibe from both my teammate and my coach and I respect them so much and I was just like it was so like one of the hardest sessions I've ever done in my life yeah and I got to the end of the session and kind of we packed up and went home and like I felt like I'd just wasted my coach's time by not having like a really good session and I got home and I was like, I want to message him (laughs) and explain everything so I can feel better. And I was like, no, I can't. I'm not allowed to tell them. And so I'm eating dinner and I'm like during dinner, I'm like thinking about it the whole time too. And I get to after dinner and then there's just like this moment where like I've just been thinking about it for hours since training. Yeah, There's this moment where I'm like, actually, like it was my homework to do that. Right. And I did my homework and I did it really well. And really, as long as I know that, why do they need to know that? Mm. So like, just as long as I'm real sure of what I've done and I feel really like I've done, I know the exact reasons why I've done something. Mm. I don't have to let, or I don't have to have everyone else know what's going on in order to feel comfortable with it Mm. and so from that point on it was like actually as long as I'm really clear on what I'm doing it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks come on and from that moment it was just like if I couldn't yeah if I could not care about like two people that I really respect and trust their opinion Mm. if I could get to the point where I like as long as I'm aware of what I'm doing that I accept their opinion, but it doesn't affect mm. me, then man, that like makes dealing with other people's opinion that don't know me at all. Mm. <laughs> um, dealing with that makes it even easier. So like pretty much there was like this massive, like overnight, literally, or not even overnight day shift mm. <laughs> where in mindset of just going, actually I, as long as I'm real sure of what I'm doing, mm. I don't care what anyone else thinks as long as I'm happy with what I'm doing. Mm. And it just was so just weight off my shoulders, just really just like, okay, I'm just going to go attack and be the best version of myself every day. And people Mm. will have their opinion and that's okay. But I know what I'm doing. (laughs) And it was awesome. Just called FOPO. Yeah. (laughs) Fear of other people's opinions. We're just like, we talk about it heaps and it's like, um, particularly in schools with like teenagers, you know, it's like, it's something that just holds us back so much Mm. and we don't work on it. Like who, I just love you've actually gone and trained it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) who... He goes and throws a session. Yeah, who's like how many of us can put a hand up and say, I've actually gone and trained my um, fear of other people's opinion so that I'm more free of it. Like yeah. that, there's yeah. something for us to go and do this week for yeah. homework. Totally. That is a challenge. Totally. Like you just, you figure out something that you could fail at mm. and that people will judge you for failing on that thing. 
and then you go fail at it. (laughs) And like you said, I I didn't, the physical session was crap. I didn't really get much out of the physical session, (laughs) Mm. but what I got out of it mentally, every session from then on, I physically got more out of every session. So it more than made up for kind of that one session being a little bit less effort physically. So empowering. I feel like that's like the perfect point. Like we, we probably want to talk to you for about another five hours, but I kind of want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. Um, and um, like, I feel like that's and the listeners time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they're happy to come along for another five hours. To be honest. <laughs> the, <Yeah. laughs> it's just, just be like part one, part two. Seriously. Yeah. Part two coming up. Was there something that you were going to say before? Um, yeah. I I think it was it was it's really important because it kind of finishes off that whole mm. process of like goals and then believing in yourself and then accepting that you could fail. Like the thing that really tied it all together and that got me through was remembering to be proud of myself. Mm. Um, and so, like you know, you ask yourself the questions kind of each day or each week, like what do they do well and what didn't they do well? Um, And we kind of reframed those questions um, to kind of go in line with the optimistic mindset, but Mm. um, it really creates a different answer. So instead of what do they do well, um, it was what was I proud of? Mm. So it might be that the session was really shit (laughs) and actually nothing went well. And you can't actually answer that question. But if I said, what was I proud of? It might be that even though every single time I did something, it was bad. (laughs) I kept trying and I did, I finished the session. I did everything that was required of me in that session. And I'm really proud of myself for pushing through. So it, it helps you like kind of with, the really bad days, you can still go, man, I feel good about that. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're like, what did I, what went well? And you're like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Then it's like really hard to find that good positive thought from it. Um, totally. So yeah. What was I proud of? And then yeah. on the flip side of the, what didn't go well or what could have been better or whatever, it was actually like, what did I learn that mm. can help me? tomorrow or the next week or next time or whatever it is Mm. so what did I learn that can help me and when you think of it that way you're also addressing kind of maybe something that didn't go well yeah and you go that's going to help me next time that makes me feel like excited about the next time I do that Mm. (laughs) or it might even be that what did I learn that will help me next time well I learned that I'm really good at that Mm. So it doesn't even have to be addressing bad things all the time. It can actually, you can focus on like the good things a lot more. And it kind of, you have that same progression mentally and physically, but instead of just kind of being black and white of good versus bad, it's actually Mm. like going a deeper level of proud versus learning and growth. Um, And I found that to be just super helpful not just at the time, but every single day even now, it's like finding those things to be proud of. Cause as humans, we're very, very good at finding things to like beat ourselves up about. Yeah. <laughs> so um, well, like there's... when I crossed the finish line in London to win my silver medal, 
after I'd said I can win gold mm. and I believed that I could do it. And then technically I'd failed because I'd got a silver medal, but I'd just done the best race that I could mm. under the ultimate pressure of an Olympic final. Mm. I crossed that finish line, like the most proud of myself I have ever been. Mm. And it just all came together. And it was just like the medal itself ended up not having as much meaning as I thought it would. It was mm. like, actually, the medal doesn't matter. The feeling that I have right now of being proud of myself and proud for my country and proud for my sport, like that yeah. is like the gold medal. Yes. <laughs> so yes. All of that was just amazing. I loved it. Oh, that's like... <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's such a privilege <laughs> to hear hear you share that, you know, and, and to like, I feel like this is going to turn into Roy's rap. We're just going to go for it because of what I'm going to say. There's anyway. so much gold. Um, this is going to be so easy for you. Well, but also so difficult because it's like, you know, you could talk for ages. But um, that moment just of how you completed that, you know, um, you did all the work to train your mind to then actually um, have that moment in London where you actually you didn't get the result you'd believed for, but you took away so much more than a gold medal, you know? Yeah. And I think and it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think we're that's such a um such an inspiring reminder of the fact that we get to choose our definition of success and we also get to choose our definition of failure. And Mm-hmm. And if we can train that in the way that you've you've trained that and you've you've articulated how to go about a lot of that, um, this it's so liberating. You mm-hmm. know, we're free from fear of judgment from other people, and we're actually training our own ability to judge ourselves less and be more available to spend more time in the present moment, being how we want to be, not um, having that inner critic just you know judge us and judge us and hold us back and and keep us small so I I think you know you embody as an athlete and as a person what it what can be possible when we organize our lives around exploring our potential and 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 following following what you love and and giving it everything that you've got and cultivating a mindset of optimism where you believe that good things can happen cultivating self-belief through doing difficult things taking on challenges and being being um being willing to fail and being willing to get back up and being willing to learn rather than judge um and you know that's so central for any of us to explore our potential um Mm -hmm. And the perspective to be able to laugh at yourself when it doesn't go right, <laughs> you know, that just to kind of in yeah. all of that, it's like this paradox, right? Because it's like you have to take yourself seriously in the sense of you're putting all of you into it. You're mm-hmm. you're channeling. You're giving it everything you've got. Like when you're pedaling, like you're 100% pedaling. You know, you're not kind of um, you you're fully committed. But at the yeah. same time, you can fully commit and organize your whole life around it. Mm. And then when it doesn't work out, take the learning, take the growth, mm. and also have a, have a laugh at yourself at the same time. <laughs> and I think that is that healthy balance of um, complete confidence with humility. You know, the humility to go, oh, look, that didn't work out. Yeah. Um, and the confidence to say, but I know I can do it next time. Like, mm. um, so you know, I'm just hearing what you said is literally like a masterclass in, in psychology and mental skills. Honestly. And 
I really, um, you know, I hope that everyone listening is able to use your example to take stock of how they see themselves and what they think when they look in the mirror and to not be caught up in what, what they currently see right now or what they think right now, but to realize that you can, you can train this just like you train any other skill, you know, and you can, you can create the future that you want if you're willing to commit the, the physical work and the intelligent effort, but also the inner work to kind of get your subconscious to believe what's possible for you as well. So, um, Thanks for coming on and for sharing um, so much of what you've come to learn. Mm. And I I really, yeah, think you're such a great example of um, mastery of, you know, in in searching to master your sport, your craft, and, uh, you know, you're actually learning about yourself and how when we put all of ourselves into something, that's the real reward is that we learn about ourselves and we become the person we want to be, not, just oh totally. we achieve what we want to achieve so they're so inspiring yeah yeah so good yeah Sarah hey before we go um okay. where can our listeners find out more about you <laughs> and follow along with your journey um if they can go to Instagram which is at SWBMX so pretty short and sweet um W-B-M-X. that's probably where I do a lot of my social but perfect oh thank you so much for your time and we're gonna we're gonna go for that part too because there's so much more to talk about with (laughs) you um yeah appreciate it sarah you're a legend thanks for coming on the show thank you